Welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the wet coast. You can tweet along with us, hashtag on the wet coast. You can follow us on Twitter at wet coast cat, that's cat with a K, at Sirius Flick, at on the wet coast. You can email us info at on the wet coast.com. Those of us in non monogamous circles spend a unique amount of time relating with others in a very intimate manner. When we let go of the standard social narrative of one partner only and admit our desire for intimacy with multiple others, we often let go of many of the other social facades in place and talk more honestly and intimately about other issues in our lives, issues such as mental illness. Tonight on the Wet Coast, we'll be discussing mental illness and non-monogamy. Before we start, we'd like to say that none of us are mental health professionals or experts and are merely discussing our personal experiences and observations on the subject. If you are in crisis and need help, please seek resources in your local area. We've included some links for resources in the show notes. It is a very special episode of On the Wet Coast tonight as we discuss mental illness and non-monogamy. We'd like to welcome as our special guest... Cooper S. Beckett from Life on the Swing Set podcast and many other awesome things. <laughs> Welcome, Cooper. <laughs> many other awesome things. Well, hello. Thank you. <laughs> so many awesome things. So many things. Um, and uh, Cooper's Twitter handle is at Cooper S. Beckett if you're not already following him, which you probably already are. <laughs> Could always use more followers. Yes. <laughs> So th- this is uh, this is a topic that I suggested just based on some incredibly non-scientific observations that seem like there's a lot of mental illness in the non-monogamous circles, um, you know, and, and a lot of the most common mental illnesses that that uh, um, in North America, you know, depression, anxiety, uh, in particular. Um, and and I just I just wondered, you know, is this just confirmation bias, or is is there actually something going on here? I have a theory. I'd like to hear your theory. My theory is that if you grow up well adjusted and quote normal, you don't tend to explore as much as someone who grows up left of center. Yeah. And so someone who's dealt with depression their entire life has probably spent time, significant time sometimes, looking for alternatives to normality. Mm-hmm. I think that's why you find a lot of people who are depressed um, gravitate to goth, to specific types of music. They look for things that can allow them to feel a sense of community that they're not feeling in general society, the normies. Yeah. (laughs) The normies. Yeah. And, and uh, I think you, you might see something similar amongst, uh, you know, Buddhists and, um, you know, and and other sort of Western um, people at it, you know, adapting to alternative, um, you know, modes of thinking. Yeah. I remember watching in a, 
a great um, television series called Life, there was a, a Zen Buddhist uh, master who turned out to be extremely troubled and, uh, you know, had all this you know, sort of violence and depression in his, in his uh, background. And somebody said, well, it makes sense because, you know, if, it, you need to be seeking something yeah. to come here. Yeah, you don't go looking for it mm-hmm. if if everything just is ticking along hunky dory. Yeah, so yeah, I think I think you know, um, thinking thinking about things in in you know strange ways probably comes with the territory. So I I, I like your theory a lot. It actually was something. I uh, I hit on because I noticed that a lot of people on my Facebook feed had chronic illness. Mm. And I wondered if, again, that was an aberration or a coincidence or confirmation bias. But I think that chronic illness can contribute the same way. Uh, You are dealing with life differently than your peers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by that fact, you explore... Alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, go ahead. Oh, it's, you often spend so much time in your head that you're you're more open to exploring other things, and yeah. and yeah, it just it frees you up to to look elsewhere and and see what else is out there. I think it also um, makes people more likely to explore themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it, you tend to become more introspective when you've dealt with things like depression because you spend an abnormal amount of time, abnormal being non-norm. Yes. <laughs> uh, atypical. Atypical, thinking about uh, everything wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, you you maybe are not the best judge of yourself, mm-hmm. but you are aware yeah. of yourself. Well, and and you know these um, these even the common elements do do make you a, an outsider, and becoming an outsider makes yeah. you interested in other things that are that are outside than the you know the societal norm. Mm-hmm. At the very least, other outsiders. Yes, yes yeah, exactly. For sure. Um, you know, and and I just wanted to take a sec to to mention that we're we're talking really about the common ailments that people suffer. Um, and, um, you know, I have very limited experience, uh, with, with people of, you know, really debilitating mental illness, like, um, you know, um, psychosis or other, other things where their, the amount of, um, insight they have is, is extremely diminished. So, mm-hmm. it, um, yeah, we're mostly discussing you know, depression, anxiety, um, a little bit of OCD or ADHD. Those are sort of the most common things that we've that we've personally come across um, with with people in our lives and our circles. Well, it's also the the negativity that comes with the term mental illness. Yes, when it is literally an illness of your mind. Yeah, often caused by hormonal imbalance and stuff like that. But yeah. it is <laughs> different in that it gets so little respect. Yeah, uh, it gets it has its own special category that your insurance may or may not cover. <laughs> unlike yeah. unlike uh, so called legitimate illness, physical yeah. ailments. Yeah, um, it, it's 
You know, and it's really interesting. I've I've uh, dealt with depression all my life, uh, but I have dealt with depression that is that has never been um, a medication solvable problem. Uh-huh. It has always been uh, talking therapy for me. Yeah, and that may be partially because that's what I have sought out. And who knows, uh, medication may be valuable to me. Um, But even that, the difference between depression that could conceivably be talked out of and depression that uh, you definitely need medication for, there there can be an imbalance between the two sort of classes of depression. Yeah, what they sort of call clinical or subclinical. Yeah. Yeah, and and it sure. can almost, I've, I've noticed it can almost be a, well, you don't have real depression. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Because you can take care of it. Yeah. I have to go and get a prescription. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, oh. I would almost rather go and get a prescription because theoretically I could be fine tonight. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, there's, there's also so much stigma around uh, medication. Yeah, for treating yeah. mental illness, you know, yeah. the there's stigma around mental illness, and and because it is it is almost treated as a a character failing, um, you know, the the stigma around around uh, the treatment as well, you know, even talk therapy, there's that you know, uh, it's certainly much less so than when I was when I was young, but um, there's still there's still a lot of stigma around around uh, counseling and therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm of the, uh, I'm, I'm sure you two agree. I'm of the belief that everybody should have, a, at least monthly visit with somebody who is unconnected <laughs> to their lives and can listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't talk to people in general, and when we do, we're usually not being completely honest no. because yeah. of biases, and yeah. we don't want someone to feel bad. Yeah. So it's 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 rough. Well, yeah. Be- and because we, you know, we're we're often invested in the relationship to the person we're talking yeah. to. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're filtering everything. Yeah. Through through that. And someone who can just shine an objective light back on it all that they they have nothing invested in in having us, you know, see it any way other than objectively. And so, yeah, it shines such a different light than talking to your best yeah. friend or your partner or or your mom or whomever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I personally, I do battle mostly with generalized anxiety disorder. Um, there, there is a certain amount of depression that, that comes and goes with that for me. Um, although I've rarely ever experienced severe depression, it's much more that just absolutely flat, um, flat affect where it's just like everything is gray, everything is ash. Um, it's not so bad I can't get out of bed. It's, you know, it's never anything like that, but just this just absolute blah that yeah. that can come with that. Um, but for the most part, that's um, the anxiety factor, and that has been interesting with with being open and and being thrust into so many new experiences all the time 
Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I said thrust. It's just you're you're on the new experiences thrust into you. Yes. <laughs> hmm. uh, oh yeah. Sorry. Uh, podcasting. Um, but uh, yeah, that I I have noticed how much more stressed and anxious I've been over the past year and a half because I'm just constantly kind of out of my depth. Um, and that has been interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> everything's everything's unfamiliar. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't know how to do this. And that is a terrifying, terrifying place for me to be um, on, a, on a regular basis. Well, the, um, one of the biggest um, stresses of, of mental illness is on our relationships. You know, it's, we, we, we get a lot of, you know, a lot of the shame comes from the stress that puts on, on, uh, on our partners. And, you know, and so, um, it kind of seems natural that, uh, when you have multiple intimate relationships that it can multiply those basic stresses. Yeah. Um, and, um, the, uh, you know, sort of one of the characteristics of, um, of severe depression is, you know, feelings of uh, worthlessness and, um, you know, and, and shame. And so th- these, these are things that, um, you know, because of our, our society's, uh, treatment of, um, of sexual promiscuity. Mm-hmm. This this can really you know be compounded with you know uh, self directed slut shaming and and such. Mm-hmm. It's fun. We <laughs> <laughs> everyone should do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's one of those things where you know you're you're compounded by complexity. Yes. And the more complicated your life is, the more likely it is to exacerbate uh, these things. But the value of non-monogamy, the exploration, the um, interaction, it can be tremendously helpful. Uh, and, and having more people in your lives that you're, uh, if not intimate with, close to, can be very helpful in terms of dealing with depression. Because so often, because of the stigma, we don't talk even to friends about it mm-hmm. often. And it is one of those things where, yes, you are running the risk of greater valleys, but you are also running the risks of, you know, you're, you're taking the risk to have uh, larger and longer peaks. Mm-hmm. And if the valleys are fewer and further between but deeper you know maybe that's the risk you're willing to take yeah mm-hmm. you definitely explore some deeper valleys <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, well um a lot of the a lot of the results of these these common ailments uh depression in particular but you know also the other ones because they often manifest elements of depression as yeah. as a side effect of them um, but, you know, depression does have a tendency to flatten out your life. And mm-hmm. so, you know, having, you know, um, the sort of the excitement and novelty of, 
of uh, yeah. open relationships does, you know, you, like as Cooper said, even though it, it does give you those 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 deep deep valleys, um, it you know it 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 turns it into a you know um, uh, it can turn into a bit of a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but boy, is it is it fun when you're at the top of that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and having having so many sort of people that that you can share with and and can support you um, can be can be really fantastic and you often are able to to get insight into things that you don't see yourself and mm-hmm. and you you know your partner might not see um, that that yeah sharing being being able to share with others and and I've found as I as I mentioned in the intro be, because we just drop so many of the the facades early on i'm so much more honest about everything in my life mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. my non-monogamous partners than i am with anyone else you know and and it's taken me a long time to to rebuild with some of my vanilla friends the kind of intimacy that i have often within like a couple of weeks with <laughs> with someone that i'm dating yeah absolutely Though I've I've encountered um, the weird paradoxical effect of having so many people concerned about you that you feel bad that yeah. they are not able to help you. Yes, that oh, yeah. is that is also true, and it, it there are it's a bit of a double edged sword for sure. Well, isn't isn't it uh, isn't it brutal and absurd to feel like you have let somebody down? Because By not feeling help. better. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, fuck. It's like you tried so hard and <laughs> I still feel terrible. Yeah. Or no, or even even just the answer to the question, is there anything I can do? No, there really isn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you can't do anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, there really isn't. No, it's it's yeah. fun being a depressive. <laughs> yeah. I was actually uh, told recently by uh, a friend that I very likely have mild adult ADHD. And it was something I had not considered. Mm-hmm. And she said it, was, it is probably outside the, uh, the range where it would be necessary to treat it. But it's, uh, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. And if it makes me feel better about any of my quirks, then excellent. Um, so I, I think uh, that that means I'm likely on that entire spectrum that we talked about at the beginning with the anxiety, depression, and uh, yeah, ADHD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, from what I understand, there's been a bit more research into that, and they're starting to discover that the ADHD piece in quite in um, a fair amount of, of anxious people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's something that, that may become more um, out in the open over time because that's something I, I must admit I've, I've recognized in myself too and wondered about that um, piece yeah. of it that I had, it had never occurred to me until someone was talking about a study that had been done specifically on women, but I'm sure there's more information that's going to be out there um, related to anxiety and ADHD together. Oh yeah. And it's one of those wonderful things where you can just take a quiz online and yeah. <laughs> realize, 
Oh, look at those boxes I'm checking. Yeah. yeah. Dear God. This quiz knows me so well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as I this morning was attempting to make coffee, chat with someone on my phone and emptied the dishwasher at the same time and was not doing any of them successfully, I kind of, you know, and I'm just like kept like starting to put dishes away. And then I was, fuck, no, I'm making coffee. And um, (laughs) like, I I was sort of like, huh, there there may be something. Maybe there's something to this. There may be something to this. As we were, we were mentioning briefly about, you know, communicating with lots of people and having to say to lots of people that they can't help you. Um, it's the communication key thing can be very difficult maintaining relationships when you're experiencing some difficulty, you know, or flare up in your mental yeah. illness and um, trying to stay on top of that and connected to your people can be really, really tricky. Absolutely. Well, yeah, the the one of the most common uh, you know effects of these um, these elements, uh, depression in particular, is is you know is uh, uh, loss of interest, you know, disengaging, mm-hmm. and um, you know because what's the fucking point? Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, and you know, and and for uh, you know for myself, often you know when I'm when I am occupied with you know with friends or activities, uh, I'm I enjoy them. But it's the, um, you know, it's the the getting over the inertia to actually do those things to you know yeah. uh, to kind of you know keeping the commitments and keeping the connections uh, active and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's also a, for me, it's the introverted extrovert thing mm-hmm. because I am very much an introvert when I don't know people. When I know people, then I can feed on the energy of being extroverted, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, the the public persona. the The public persona of Cooper Beckett is the extrovert version. Yes, and um, that is a weird paradox as well, because I can, you know, in in the depths of depression walk in and turn on this extrovert thing mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's a it's a costume yeah for sure uh and sometimes it works and it it pulls me up and other times it's just like okay now that's off i'm mm-hmm. done now it's back to i don't want to be around people i don't want to talk to people and yeah, there's there's that fun funness. Well, yeah, and 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 I, I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling of being able to put on a persona like a costume, yeah. and what and while you're playing that part, it feels real. Yes. Mm-hmm. Until you have to switch it off. Yeah. And then it feels like that was a completely different person. When the batteries run down. When the mm-hmm. batteries run down, yeah. 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 Yeah, I definitely recognize that one. Yeah. Now, if it's a literally a different person, we're not covering dissociative identity disorder in this. Um, that's that's above our pay grade. That's above our pay grade. Yeah. That's that's out of our scope of practice. Yes. <laughs> well, we can we can speak to our our experiences in uh, mental illness based on the mental illness we have experienced. Yes. Well, that was pretty much why we're talking about those ones. Yes. These are these are all opinions. This is not, yeah, it's 
something that I really struggle with uh, because I want, um, as as an educator, as a speaker on the topic, it's uh, depression really um, pings my imposter syndrome. Mm. Where, um, yeah. especially very shortly after my divorce, I really questioned whether or not I had any right to be saying anything on these topics because clearly I had failed. Yeah. And so when I get into uh, a depression valley, it I withdraw simply because I feel like my value is not there. And it's almost, a, I would rather give you nothing than give you bad advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or give you nothing than give you an opinion that, or or a version of me that I wouldn't want to spend time with, and I struggle with that a lot. There, there is a a version of me that I don't particularly like, mm-hmm. and when mm-hmm. he starts showing up, I withdraw as much as possible because I don't want other people to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And when I get into these discussions, this uh, putting on the persona and costume and, and, and becoming someone else, then it does sound an awful lot like I am talking about disassociation, <laughs> but I'm not. So I'm, I'm very uh, aware of all of it. You know, I, I, I recognize that these are all one person, but it's uh, sometimes a little bit easier to compartmentalize. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and everyone does it to a certain degree. And those of us who who put ourselves forward in front of people do it, I think, to a greater degree. But, you know, everyone has to go into their office and, and you know, put on a certain amount of a, a polite face when they've just had the shittiest morning. And um but yeah, when you're when you're in the public eye and you're you're presenting yourself forward, um you know, so often I go into the classes that I'm teaching, just hauling my ass there, just thinking, what am I doing? And, you know, I get there and people are looking at me and I put on a big smile and I put on the music and away we go. Um, and a lot of the time I get to the point, you know, as I go where I'm like really having a blast, but sometimes the entire time I am really faking having a blast. Sure. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes is it, um, you know, I'm, I'm occasionally like this uh, sexually too. I have a responsive sex drive. So I start it and then I enjoy it. Yeah. So yeah. faking it and then eventually maybe you are enjoying yourself. Exactly. It's, it's not necessarily still fake. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it is because depression is a monster, but it it's, mm-hmm. Uh, often we just need to push ourselves out of the door and then things get on the rails to mm-hmm. use completely muddy metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> There's a metaphor in there somewhere. <laughs> well, if you find it, let me know. <laughs> and I, I think quite often if we are open and honest with the people that we're with, they can be okay with supporting us through that and and understanding that maybe we're a little checked out and as long as we're clear that that's what's happening mm-hmm. that can be 
can be good and and we can be like oh yeah we're kind of gonna phone this in tonight <laughs> um, <laughs> right. but like i want to be with you and i want to feel connected to you um but i think some of the the issues that can really crop up when when we aren't clear about that and then the person we're with really starts reading these strange cues from us yeah. that they're trying to figure out what they did wrong because that's what most of us always go to. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's well, also problematic when, you know, you're explaining that they haven't done anything wrong and they are still taking on this burden that they have somehow yeah. caused this problem. Yeah. And then we get into the cycle as the depressive. It's just like, okay, now I'm counseling you yes. through dealing with me yes. having an issue that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And I've, I've had uh, partners who just could not adapt to my cycles. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the most predominant one was shortly after my divorce. And I said, look, this is, this is literally all I have to give. Mm-hmm. You can accept that or you cannot. And I won't blame you if you don't. Mm-hmm. But this is it. Yeah. So. You got to make your choice because I can't make it for you. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I I try to um, yeah I try to be honest um, about you know what what might be ailing me um, rather than you know try to you know try to make a pretense of it. But I also I also try not to um, to like you know make a make it into like a cancer discussion, you know, right. I mean? like, mm-hmm. like, um, I, I just try to just, you know, be, yeah, use it's kind of as, you know, simple and, and, you know, non-activating language as I can. And, you know, I might just describe it as, you know, um, you know, I'm really, um, I'm really in, you know, in my head because I've been, you know, uh, struggling with, with some depression. And, and so, you know, uh, it's just making it, uh, it's just making me hard, it hard for me to be present. And so that really, helps to explain why they might not be feeling a strong connection that they're used to feeling from me or that, you know, and sure. or that I'm, you know, I, I might not be as communicative or, or enthusiastic. So. Mm-hmm. And one hopes that everybody can have this conversation and be um, giving an understanding about it and make it through because really we need to all, we need to re- react well to each other's issues mm-hmm. because that makes us more comfortable with sharing our issues. Yes. And so it's, it's a sort of an arms race of uh, being calm and collected and <laughs> understanding. I'm going to be the most fucking understanding of anyone here. <laughs> because then that gives them the idea to do it for you. I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of forcing you know, it, it's the do as you uh, would, you know, the biblical bullshit. The golden rule. But it's it's forcing uh, you to be better by doing it first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be better first. Well, and it's it's interesting because I don't really have any problems being open and honest about my anxiety. Um, and I think it's usually pretty obvious to people when they meet me. Um but it, I get to the point where when it's cropping up again and again, that I just, I get, <laughs> I 
start to get anxious about the <laughs> fact that I have to then talk about it again. And I just sort of feel like, oh, fuck, like, shouldn't I just be over this by now? Or, you know, I just sort of feel like people lose their their patience for it. And then I start trying to cover it up. Yeah. And that always goes super, super oh, yeah. you, well. Oh, yeah. You just, you just clamp, you know, tamp that down. Yeah. That, that works. You swallow yeah. your feelings. And then, the, <laughs> then that, that burning sensation starts. And um, and then you swallow that. And then you swallow yeah. that pain. And, and eventually uh, you don't feel anything anymore. <laughs> and, and isn't that what we're all aiming for? <laughs> That's, isn't, that why, isn't that why we're in this? Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and that is usually when it then ends up manifesting as like a, a severe sort of more anxiety attack kind of thing, as opposed to just my usual baseline thing. Um, so it goes into crisis mode because I've been trying to try to be okay. Um, and yeah, that has been something that, that is very new for me having to deal with yeah. in this, in this um, open uh, I guess life. Um, that that had not been something that had cropped up for me previously. It's rough. Okay, we're just going to take a little break for a moment, and we will be <laughs> right back. But, but when we come back from a break, we're going to talk about some of the positive sides of non-monogamy and its, and its effect, you know, the way it can help your mental illness, and some, you know, some, of, the, um, some of the positive parts of, of the non-monogamous connections. So we've got that to look forward to. Yay! <laughs> hey everyone, Flick here. I want to tell you about an amazing vacation we had last year at Desire Resort and Spa Riviera Maya in Cancun, Mexico. We spent an outstanding week with an exciting group of sexy geeks when we joined Life on the Swing set in Paradise. It's no exaggeration to say that it changed our lives. This year, Swing Set takes over the resort from November 5th to 12th, bringing an even greater experience, running our own inclusive theme nights, packing in even more sexy, geeky, welcoming shenanigans into our seven days. Kat and I met amazing new friends and partners last year, and we can't wait to see what this year has in store. With fewer than 20 rooms left, now's the time to book to get in on the fun. Go to lifeontheswingset.com and follow the Desire Takeover 2016 link to contact Char Travel. A small refundable deposit secures your place in paradise. Meet us in the hot tub, and we can debate who's the best doctor. It's Tennant! Obviously, it's David Tennant. Hope to see you there. Welcome back. Uh, we've been talking about uh, mental illness and non-monogamy, and we've talked about a lot of the kind of um, sort of general strains on yourself and uh, how it can be complicated with all the extra connections and, and stuff. Um, uh, I'm wondering, um, you know, what do you, what do you do to, to stay close to people when you're walling off? You know, um, it's, it can be hard enough maintaining, you know, that one connection if you have a primary partner, yeah. but if you've got other people that are used to talking to you every day or a couple times a week and suddenly they're getting a lot less of you, what do you do to keep those, those, um, 
those connections and uh, keep from from walling them off. Can I let you know when I figure it out? <laughs> uh, I've asked. Uh, you know, I I'm when I'm in a good mood, I tend to contact people frequently, and I'm often the person who initiates conversations. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm not in a good mood, it's very obvious yeah. that I've stopped initiating conversations. And so what has worked for me is asking people to sort of shoulder the burden of initiating conversations. Mm, yeah, I got it. Because I am I don't not want to talk to people. I just don't feel that there's much value in what I have to say. So I'm not going to start that conversation. Yeah. No, taking initiative is certainly the, one of the hardest things mm-hmm. when when you're suffering, even even from mild depression. Um, and and so yeah, letting letting people know and and giving them the opportunity to uh, to reach out to you. Um, for um, for me, um, I find that um, that with with mild depression um, that. Uh, that being in an open relationship, it it helps to it helps to have a lot of you know a lot of interesting things going on, and that kind of helps to to keep from you know getting into like uh, depressive thought cycles and feelings of worthlessness and that kind of thing because mm-hmm. it's like you know um, having people you know uh, people to talk to, people to you know text or uh, you know or uh, send you know trade dirty pictures with um, you know the the combination between sort of the, you know, uh, the novelty of refreshing the connections plus the the sexual charge, uh, I find is you know is actually pretty great and yeah. um, you know and and it can, you know, um, maybe some sometimes those things don't sort of start off as energetically as they normally would, but you know I might just you know uh, just send send a message you know saying hi to somebody and checking in and then you know start with my favorite game. You know, remember when we did X? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Often, like ten minutes after that thing has happened, <laughs> or or like immediately after immediately that, after that thing has happened. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's something I have found tricky. You know, as everyone does. Um, that when I get too much in my head, I just basically become unable to really communicate with people. So I, one technique I've, I've kind of tried is, is just trying to be a supporter of other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. And so by reaching out in that way, it kind of distracts me from what I'm going through. Oh yeah. And so that has been something that, that, I will do and people will sort of, when they're asking, you know, how I'm doing, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I will do the, uh, so do you want to talk about it? Nope. No, I don't. <laughs> no, Let's I do talk not. about you. Yeah. And that, that sometimes helps me. So seeing what's going on with other people, I sort of put myself kind of in service mode and, um, and that, that at least is a distraction. And then I feel like I'm connecting with people without having to talk about what's going on with me right. when I'm not really able to. 
What about when mental illnesses collide? Oh, boy. Like, like for example, say you've got someone with generalized anxiety, <laughs> and that person is living with someone who suffers periodically from depression. Huh. I wonder if that ever happens. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, it's very hard because uh, these things sort of work exponentially. Yes, there's definitely the feedback loop yeah. thing. And it's it's very important that someone recognize that the path they're going down is uh, skewed. Yeah. And try I'm, very hard to refocus. I have this image of like dragons wrestling and plummeting to the earth because they're so entwined that they can't fly. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, these these things, the the uh, the feedback loop. Um, you know, the they're they're so um, uh, they're so alienating these the these things, and and then um, we interpret uh, our partner's uh, behavior through this through, through our own lens. lens. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think, I, I think you're right, Cooper, that, that somebody needs to, um, you know, uh, you know, grab themselves, um, by the, by the, what's, what's an analogy here? <laughs> um, get their druthers. Get their druthers. <laughs> I don't know. That's a thing, right? What's a druther? I, I get, no, get it. Isn't druthers like your preference? Isn't that what a druthers is? I, think I thought so. Druthers is like working yourself up to do something. No, no, <laughs> no. no dr- yeah, Druthers is is like a. I think it's a corruption of the word rather. rather. Yeah. What? Yeah, because there's a song from like it, it is. It musical, is a person's preference in a matter. The musical by the way. Abner, I believe. <laughs> just googled it. You just Google it. Okay, so Druthers. Yeah, it's a preference. Yeah. So yeah, would you would rather? If I had my druthers, I would yeah. prefer to be a writer. Is Google's use it in a sentence? <laughs> is it really nice? I like it. Um, well, you got your druthers then. Yes, druthers got. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's funny. Sort of- you you have to um, the. It's very important to be able to recognize your patterns. Mm-hmm. And it is the hardest thing to then redirect them. Because especially if you're in a household with another depressive or someone with other um, mental illness, it's so important that you not both wallow at the same time. Yeah. Because you not going to be a defeatist there, but you may never recover from that. <laughs> yeah. You know, somebody has to pull the ripcord. And so it's, yeah. if you can figure out your patterns, you can start to short circuit them. And mm-hmm. this is where I get into trouble with, with uh, people who believe very strongly in the medication, which I, when I say believe very strongly, I don't mean that I don't believe it. I just, don't think it's always the solution and you know neither is talking but mm-hmm. if you can short circuit the the neurons that are that pull you in a pattern like i'm a i'm a spiral depressive mm-hmm. so when i get 
into a depressive moment, I start to spiral into the worst case scenario version of a situation. And yeah, it and gets that's worse ab- and worse and worse. Absolutely, where where tools like cognitive behavioral therapy come in, and yeah. that is exactly what they do is interrupt that spiral and and you know have work on having you change your thinking patterns and and why those tools are so incredibly effective mm-hmm. for people with mild depression with anxiety um, because they they do all that they do all that work and and help you step out of that and and yeah when you're with a partner sometimes you have to sort of play the game like okay like who's the most fucked up yeah <laughs> and it's like are you the most fucked up and and it uh, or is it me and it reminds me of a game we used to play called who's the martyr um <laughs> where <laughs> when we were both doing the like no it's okay you can you can do your thing or no we'll do the thing that you wanted to do we we would just stop and be like okay who's the martyr and one of us would be like me and we'd be <laughs> like okay and we'd move on <laughs> um, and it just <laughs> so so yeah that seems like it's it's a similar kind of thing that would come up that you just sort of basically has have to decide like who is in in sort of a, a more acute crisis at that yeah, what, particular what's moment the dire and level? yeah and well I, I think one one of the patterns that that i've spotted with us will be um you know one of us will be having sort of a a longer stretch of challenges that just seems to be getting sort of worse and worse and then you know, and so the other person will be you know um, being you know really um, doing all they can to be supportive and and um, and you know and, and compassionate and you know just really uh, sort of you know uh, help prop uh, prop that person up, and then um, and then they will crash. Yeah. And then the other person is like, "Oh shit!" And so they it kind of snaps them out of it. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, it the. Uh, That's um, just a dangerous game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wee. <laughs> you know, you can always tell people who've been dealing with depression for a long time because they find it rather amusing in that horrible way. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> yeah, and it can be really tricky with with people that you might be connected with who are maybe not your primary partner um, as to know sort of when to actually step in and be trying to, you know, check in more than like, are you doing okay, but you know, stepping in and perhaps saying like, are you sure you don't maybe need some more help? Right. Um, because you're often seeing people in these really, you know, deep and intimate ways that, that other people in their life might not be seeing and they might not be in the, the headspace to be able to, to recognize themselves that um, it can be really difficult to know, like, you know, when is it my business and when is it not to actually Say something. I, that's a, that seems like a tricky question to me because you know some you know some of the people that you the that that uh, that you date 
you're going to have a, you know, a lot, you know, kind of a lot of understanding of each other. Mm-hmm. Other people you date, it's often going to be in a bubble. And, you know, and so sort of the amount of kind of context you get on each other is very limited. It's mm-hmm. limited. It's limited to that bubble. So, you know, I, I don't know when, you know, when is it, you know, you know, what's, where did, where do you draw that line between, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're friends that, that, um, that, that don't go there or, or we are. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we, we have a very unique style of relating to other people mm-hmm. in non-monogamy and it just sort of forces, uh, an extra level of familiarity, familiarity that was usually only reserved for very specific levels of friendship, uh, relationships, and family. And by default, we are vastly more open with a number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can that can take us back to that blessing and a curse. We have a lot of people who are very concerned about us, but at the same time, if we don't... Uh, if we are not comforted by that fact, mm-hmm. if we instead uh, find anxiety from that, mm-hmm. and uh, even better uh, to play the moving target game, if it differs from day to day and hour to hour, whether or not <laughs> we're going to feel comforted by or overwhelmed by, yeah, <laughs> then, then yeah, and opening yourself up to people about your illness does open yourself up to a certain amount of the shut up and get better advice that people love to spout. When people simply don't understand. Yes. Yeah. And the, you know, the home remedies or the, have you tried yoga and all these things that. Oh, and I'm guilty of that too. Well, yeah. And we all, we all mean well, and we all, you know, want, our people to feel good. Um, but, but yeah, by, by opening ourselves up to that, it, it does eh, present those challenges of, of, um, Oh boy. Did you drive there? Yeah. My brain just was like, (laughs) um, well, trying to articulate what I was, what I was thinking because, you know, often people are suggesting very helpful things, you know, I personally do yoga and find it helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, if nothing else, I understand the physiology and science behind breathing deeply. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that that is very helpful. And but yeah, there's definitely a hey fuck you when, you know, some rando on Facebook is like, Oh, but have you tried yoga? Um <laughs> <laughs> It's even better when your partner is the one suggesting it. Like I, <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that's one of the things that's that's tough is sometimes um, having sensitivity to how these ailments are actually uh, obstacles to their own relief, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, with with generalized anxiety. You know, you, it's like, I don't, I don't want to be taking pills. What happens if I take the pills? You know, um, and, um, you know, it's like, how is, how is therapy going to work? How often am I going to go? And, you know, how much is going to cost me? Oh, yeah. Um, and I often don't want to go to therapy when I feel fucked up. Yeah. 
Like I will, I will deliberately not book therapy sessions when I feel my worst. I think, I think mental illness is the most like a parasite. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a parasite that knows you're trying to kill it. Yeah. And oh, it right. actively absolutely. works against you. Yeah. And you know, the, like, the the idea that depression is a liar yes. is mm. um, something that took me a long time to really wrap my head around. But yeah. it's specifically, I mean, to to get really weird about it and personify it, it actively works against your attempts to fix it because oh, yeah. it knows what you're trying to do. Absolutely. And, and I – oh, continue – no, I got lost, so go on. Oh, well, I was just, you know, the whole depression is a liar and, and you know, I literally have have gotten two tattoos now that are to counter the messages from my brain um, that, you know, I just like if I fucking went and got this shit, you know, inked into my skin because there's no other way for me to believe it. Yeah. Um, so when I'm at my absolute lowest and my brain is, is telling me all the lies, um, about how worthless I am, you know, I look down at my arm and it says, I love you. And I'm like, really? Um, but, <laughs> but I'm but like, you wouldn't have tattooed it in exactly, your arm if you like, didn't mean it. <laughs> I would not have taken that, that time and that money and that pain and, and all of that thing. If that was not the reality. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it takes, you know, that kind of a, a tool to, to, to counter those messages. And because it's just, it's so, so goddamn powerful. Yeah. So that's, that's our prescription for everyone with tattoos. <laughs> 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 mental illness is, uh, is a tattoo to um, remind you. Um, that uh, that actually you, you you're pretty great. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, positively guaranteed to work. Not guaranteed. Not guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. Offer not valid in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you want to talk about, sweetie? Well, I think we do need to wrap things up. Are there any other points anyone really wanted to make before we stop? I mean, we didn't quite get to the uh, the excitement on uh, of what these things can do to our sex drives and libidos. But, no. uh, <laughs> it seems I think, like that. I think it's really uh, we can sum that up in in one sentence. Really, <laughs> it's it's they are not good for our libidos. Usually. No. And and sometimes the cures either because yeah. a lot of the the antidepressants um, have historically had a lot of negative effects on libido and sex drive, um, which is partly why I was so resistant to ever taking them because uh, when I was going through a stage with a really low libido, I'm like I don't want to fuck with that anymore. <laughs> like <laughs> like um, I need one more thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that that. Uh, that fear can definitely get in the way too. Um, but yeah, you know, we talking about the, the way that we, that we cope with this and, you know, the three of us and, and you know, the majority of, of people that, uh, that we come into contact, you know, we, 
we, you know, definitely cope as best we can. And we do get out there and, and interact a lot with people and, and, um, you know, that support network is, is definitely a big help, yeah. you know, having, having professionals that you can, that you can call on, um, if that's, that's an option, if you can afford it, which is always tricky, you know, even in Canada that unless, uh, unless you can actually get a, a psychiatrist to see you, um, it's not something that's, that's covered through our, oh, really? our healthcare, um, even in Canada. Even in, Even Canada, in Canada, I have to pay for oh, therapy. Um, <laughs> like an animal. Like, an, like, like a United States citizen. <laughs> Although if I did, if I wasn't self-employed, I would probably have a plan through my work that covered a lot of it. So ah, I can't, uh, you know, a lot of people We can't blame do. Canada then. We can't, we can't, despite our beady little eyes and flapping heads so full of lies. Or if we were poorer. True. <laughs> that then we would yeah, but being like decidedly middle class and self employed yeah. that uh that's a problem. Um I think the most important thing is to remember what it was like to not be depressed. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's the hardest thing to do is I I I'm a big uh fan of the the valley metaphor for depression. When you're mm-hmm. in the valley, when you're in the base of it, you can't see the top. Mm-hmm. So you can't see what life is like without it. And you start to convince yourself that there is no life without it, that it's always been this way and that yeah. it always will be this way. And it is one of the hardest things in the world to convince yourself otherwise and to remind yourself, no, there was a time I was happy. It maybe was two weeks ago. I mm-hmm. mean, for Christ's sake, it could have been yesterday. Yeah. And it will happen again, that this is fleeting, all of it. Yeah. And it can seem to stretch on forever, especially when compounded by life. But it's it's all temporary. Yeah. And cyclical, unfortunately. Yeah. But the nice thing about cyclical is just as you can trust the depression will be back, yeah, you, you can, can trust, trust that those. the uh, time outside the depression will be back. Yeah, sort of like the stock market. Yeah, <laughs> well, and and you know, my feeling about um, you know having experienced both de- depression both before being in an open relationship and you know and and uh, during, um, I much prefer it during because <laughs> you know those. <laughs> Those peaks are pretty great. Yes. And, you know, and in the valley, like, it's like, you know, I'm in this valley, but in a few weeks, I'm going to get to fuck these people. <laughs> and so, um, you know, yeah, that's pretty great. And, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, I'm feeling really shitty, but, you know, I'm just just imagining what I'm going to do with this person next time I see them. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like it, it, um, for me, it has had the effect of the, um, you know, the, the peaks are, the peaks are, are really great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe the Valley's not as dark as it was before. I think you can see more. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. portholes out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's almost like you kick at the darkness till it bleeds daylight <laughs> with your penis. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, I know if I was hosting, I'd end it there. <laughs> I think thanks. we are going to end it there. <laughs> Thank, thanks for being on the wet coast with us, Cooper. <laughs> oh, always happy to. <laughs> we really appreciate appreciate you joining us. And if you would like to uh, to uh, plug any of your uh, your projects, yeah, tell us what you've been up to, Cooper S. Beckett. Oh well, you can you can get both of my books at cooperSbeckett.com. And if you use promo code WETCOAST, you save 10%. You can get my novel, A Life Less Monogamous, about newbie swingers exploring the big, scary, hedonistic world of swinging. And if you get the audiobook, you can listen to the lovely Cat Stark uh, wow. read it with me. <laughs> that sounds great. Doesn't it? it? It It does sound great. I can tell you objectively. Subjectively. <laughs> I'm not objective. Uh, and my memoir, My Life on the Swing Set, Adventures in Swinging and Polyamory. You can also check out the Life on the Swing Set podcast, uh, where if you're listening to this show on the Swing Set Network, you are probably aware of the <laughs> yes. Life on the Swing Set podcast. But you can check that out at lifeontheswingset.com. And I'm doing uh, relationship coaching, um, non-monogamy coaching. And, uh, you know, the best thing about having gone through all of this is I am pretty knowledgeable about it. Mm-hmm. And whereas my lying depression will tell me that I am unqualified <laughs> to talk about this because yeah. I am depressed. Yeah. My rational brain says, well, wouldn't it be better if I'd had experience with this? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Weirdest billboard for services ever. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Wet Coast. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at WetCoastCat, at SiriusFlick, at OnTheWetCoast. You can email us, info at OnTheWetCoast.com. You can read Kat's blog at OnTheWetCoast.com or on LifeOnTheSwingSet.com under the blog title On The Wet Coast. You can also hear a lot more of Kat by buying the audiobook of Cooper S. Beckett's novel, A Life Less Monogamous. Available at alifelessmonogamous.com. Enter code WETCOAST at checkout to save 10%. Our theme music is A Naked Gun, Bank Assault by Francesco Dandria. Episode music is Puzzle Pieces by Lee Rosevere. Do 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 outro music. Outro music. Well, I think that should just be the outro music. <laughs> Hi, I'm Andre Shakti. I'm a professional slut from the San Francisco Bay Area. I also write regularly about sex work and the industry politics for Cosmopolitan Online and for Harlot.com, spelled H-A-R-L-O-T. And you're listening to a Swing Set podcast at swingset.fm.